Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk Nation Radio, the national popular vote and the electoral college. Our guest is Pat Rosenstiel, senior consultant with nationalpopularvote.com, which advocates for the national popular vote interstate compact. Pat Rosenstiel, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate the time. Let's start with this. What is the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact? Well, the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is really the only way to have a national popular vote for president in place by the 2024 presidential election. Um, you know, we've been at the project for some time. It's been adopted by uh, 16 states, well, really 16 jurisdictions, 15 states in the District of Columbia, uh, with 196 electoral votes. Anytime we have uh, 270 or more electoral votes in the agreement, the states that join agree to award their electors to the national popular vote winner. And so it achieves one thing, which is it guarantees the presidency to the candidate who wins the most popular votes in all 50 states in the District of Columbia. We need 74 more electoral votes in place between now and the uh, 2024 presidential election for it to govern the next presidential campaign. And I'm increasingly optimistic because I can't think of a single redeeming quality to the current system that we will have it in place so that every voter in every state can be politically relevant in the next presidential election. I guess if I have one message today, which is, um, you know, if you're like me, if you believe we should have a national popular vote for president, if you believe in the principle of one person, one vote, if you believe the candidate should be forced to campaign to all 50 states, there's only one way to get that done for the next presidential election, and it's uh, the plan at nationalpopularvote.com. You say for the next po- presidential election because the longer alternative would be to amend the Constitution? Yeah, I mean, I think constitutional amendments are... Um, so first of all, uh, it doesn't require a constitutional amendment, and I think that's really important for people to understand. You don't have to abolish the Electoral College to have a national popular vote for president, you can get behind the compact because uh, the Constitution itself says that each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors. Um, We didn't adopt the current system through constitutional amendment. We did it through state statute. So uh, the national popular vote interstate compact is achievable. Uh, Constitutional amendments have proven not achievable. Um, You know, there's not a there hasn't been a vote for Congress for a constitutional amendment in quite some time. Uh, requires two-thirds ratification of the states. But that's not the reason not to pursue a constitutional amendment. Um, the reason not to pursue a constitutional amendment is because it's not necessary, right? And, and the power exists within the Constitution to have a national popular vote for president. Uh, and anybody who wants to have one really should get on board our plan because everything else is noise. And you could always amend the Constitution later when it didn't make any difference at all, right? <laughs> there wouldn't. Well, you, yeah, you could if you, you if you, you wanted could, to. If that was, yeah, what it requires two thirds vote of Congress and three quarters of the states um, to ratify the amendment, right? You'd have to build um, an incredible political movement to get that done, just like any um, constitutional uh, uh, amendment requires. Um, right. uh, Article five is a legitimate part of the Constitution. I, my focus, though, is you know, how do we end these false crises around the American president? Um, how do we do this by 2024? How do we have a national popular vote for president? So every American voter, whether you're a Republican in North Dakota, you know, or, or, or a Democrat in, in Vermont, 
feels like they were valued in the presidential process. Um, so we don't have this endless chaos. Uh, you know, the current system, you know, sets itself up for crisis and chaos. And that system is the state-based winner-take-all system. Um, you know, let's fix that. Let's have a national popular vote for president. Let's make sure that every American voter is valued. Um, because, frankly, at the end of the day, I think we'd all be better at living with the results, right? Uh, we wouldn't be, you know, in this divisive culture. Uh, and I should say national popular vote's a nonpartisan plan. Uh, it enjoys the support of Republicans like myself and Democrats like my chairman, uh, uh, because we believe that every voter should be relevant. And, and we're, we're focused on getting it done, and we hope your listeners will help. And, and so currently, what, some 48 states simply choose to give all of their electors to whoever gets the majority or even just the plurality in that state? Uh, but that's just a choice, and they could cease doing that tomorrow if they saw fit? Yeah, that's called the state-based winner-take-all law, right? And the state-based winner-take-all law was adopted in the lead-up to the Civil War using the power in the Constitution. Um, I, I think one of the biggest misconceptions around uh, the current system is that somehow, some way, it's the founder system, right? Um, well, the truth is, is the founders, when they took 30 votes over 22 separate days, um, you know, there's one idea they didn't think enough about in order to even bring up, discuss at the Constitutional Convention or vote on, and it's the state-based winner-take-all law that governs our presidential elections today, right? And you're right to point out, 48 states have it. Uh, my home state of Minnesota has it. Uh, when the candidate, the Democratic candidate, generally, um, you know, wins one more popular vote in the state of Minnesota than the Republican candidate, all 10 of Minnesota's electoral votes go to the Democratic candidate. That's the state-based winner-take-all system. It generally relegates us to flyover status because we are traditionally understood in the current system as a blue state. Uh, under a national popular vote for Senate uh, for president, uh, the, 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 the compacting states agree to award their electors to the candidate who wins the most popular votes in all 50 states, right, which would make every voter in Minnesota relevant, whether they were Republican or Democrat, because they're counted in that national popular vote outcome. And it's a, it's a simple state law change to do it because that power exists within the Constitution. Um, and you're right to point out that only 48 states use the state-based winner-take-all law, right, which was adopted in the lead-up to the Civil War so that the North and the South would have reliable slates of electors. It kind of made sense at that time, right? Um, uh, but it's a, it, 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 it no longer serves a purpose other than make battleground states really, really, really important, right? Uh, for example, in the last presidential campaign, 12 closely divided battleground states got 96% of the 2020 campaign events. Um, all of the events happened in just 15 states. 35 states were completely ignored. Doesn't have to be that way. Two states do it differently right now, right? They didn't amend the Constitution to change their method. They passed a state law that said, we're going to have a congressional district system, Maine and Nebraska, Right. So if you really want to have a national popular vote for president, what you need is you need state action, not congressional action. Uh, you want to petition your legislator, right, to join the national popular vote interstate compact, because if we get states with 74 more electoral votes to pass our bill, we will have a national popular vote for president. And I just don't want anybody getting distracted by alternative methods. Um, because there's only one way to elect the president by national popular vote, 
right now, today, for the 2024 presidential election, if enough people get on board. And it's that planet, nationalpopularvote.com. Well, let, let me play the horrible devil's advocate for two minutes to, sure. to, so that nobody else does it. Uh, why not uh, get three states, four states, five states? Why not get more states to do what Maine and Nebraska do and distribute their electors proportionally rather than getting more states to make this conditional commitment? If enough states do it, we'll give all our electors to the national popular vote winner. Well, there would be nothing um, constitutionally wrong with doing that if a state believed it was in their best interest to do it. Uh, the reason I, I oppose it um, is because I think it takes a bad system and makes it worse, right? Because um, really, uh, the policy objective for me of the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is to guarantee the presidency of the candidate who wins the most popular votes in all 50 states. And a congressional district plan does not do that, Right. Um, the reason I want to elect the president by national popular vote is because I want every voter in every state to be politically relevant in every presidential election, right? I'm sick of the influence that these battleground state voters have with the American president, but I'm tired of a system, for example, you know, where in the last election, frankly, if 21,000, almost 22,000, 21,847 voters changed their mind. And went for Trump instead of Biden in Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin, right? Donald Trump would have been elected president of the United States and reelected. And I don't find that totally objectionable, like the idea of Donald Trump being president, right? But what I do find objectionable is that the voters in that state, right, mattered so much more than the voters anywhere else. And the campaign and the, and the president governs to those voters, right? So in a, in a congressional district system, you saw it play out in the last presidential election. Um, so in Nebraska, Nebraska's second congressional district, which is mostly Omaha, right, was a battleground congressional district where the campaigns came in. They bought the TV ads. They did the party building activity, right? They dro drove aggressive, get out the vote efforts in the second congressional district of Nebraska, the other two congressional districts were completely ignored, right? And so what you do in a congressional district system is you set up uh, a system where the main second congressional district was the same way. Donald Trump knew he could win that, wanted to win it, had to win it, right? And so he campaigned very aggressively to the interests of the voters in Maine, Maine's second congressional district. He actually talked about tariffs for lobster farmers, okay, so that it could win the Maine second congressional district. He completely ignored the interest of the voters of Maine's first congressional district. Right? But in a congressional district system, you might find 60 competitive congressional districts across the country, and they would be hyper important to the president. They'd get transactional with their voters, right? And it wouldn't do two things. It wouldn't guarantee the presidency to the candidate who wins the most popular votes in all 50 states, conferring the legitimacy of the American people on the American president which I think is pretty important if you got a TV on, right? You know, this idea, these false crises around the legitimacy of American presidents, are like they're clearly dangerous, right? Um, the, the system is crashing under its own weight. Um, but a congressional district system doesn't do the two most important things to make sure that every American citizen, Republican, Democrat, independent, conservative, liberal, and moderate, is valued in a presidential election. 
It doesn't guarantee the presidency to the candidate who wins the most popular votes in all 50 states. And it doesn't advance the principle of one person, one vote in presidential elections. So we're not worried about, you know, um, simply uh, how big cities and battleground states dominate the rest of their states, right? We're saying, look, whoever wins the most popular votes that's running for president of all the American people is elected the president. And at the end of the day, all parties can field their best candidates with their best message, and we can let the American voter sort of decide. Uh, and every American voter. And then, you know what? If my party wins or loses in that system, all I do is sort of like um, find the next best candidate with the next message, best message for the next presidential election. I line up and beat them. But let's let's all set down our jerseys for a little while. Let's fix the systemic problem so that we can fulfill the promise of American democracy and so that we can understand that we're all in this together in some way, shape, or form. And, and, and then let's set up a system where every voter matters equally. Every citizen matters equally as a voter because citizens can vote, right? And, you know, line up and beat them. We're speaking that's, that's, with that's Pat, sort of where I come from. We're speaking with Pat Rosenstiel with nationalpopularvote.com. You can check out the website there, nationalpopularvote.com. Pat, I agree with every word you say except for uh, not finding Trump's presidency objectionable. I, I find it highly objectionable that either Donald Trump or Joe Biden could run for president. Uh, I'd love lots of other reforms, including reforms related to money and media and so forth. And I assume this reform doesn't touch the primaries systems uh but but i i agree with every word you're you're saying uh and, and i think it's also worth pointing out to people that we've had occasions under the current system where the loser has in fact become president right oh yeah yeah it's now happened five times but the near misses are as big a problem right um so for example in 2004 uh george bush president i supported right um certainly supported his candidacy. 59,393 voters in Ohio switched their vote. You know, George Bush loses the White House despite winning the popular vote by more than 3 million popular votes, right? So um, second place winners, you know, yes, they happen, right? Um, but just because second place winners happen under the current system uh, doesn't mean a national popular vote for president is going to favor one political party over another. Right. Um, but I, I will I will tell you that I believe that the reason that Joe Biden won the national popular vote by seven million votes. Is because Donald Trump only campaigned in the battleground states, right? Like Donald Trump and his campaign with a laser like focus focused on the states he needed to win against Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and did not get distracted by the interests of the other voters in the other states. Right. As he was running for president because the system was set up to incentivize him to only focus on the voters he needed to win 270 or more electoral votes under the state-based winner-take-all law. You know, it's why the primary plank of his platform was, um, um, you know, a trade war that reasonable people can be on both sides of. You know, it's not about that. But the trade war was all about how do I win Rust Belt, Rust Belt state voters, right, who want jobs to come back from overseas, Right. That's that's what his entire campaign was predicated on. It's how he threaded the needle in Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and almost did it again. Right. Um, but, you know, if there was a national popular vote for president, 
you know, every voter in every state would be relevant, how much you win or lose Mountain West states now or California or Texas or New England states, you know, that becomes critically important and you'd run your campaign in a completely different way. So, you know, at the end of the day, what we really want to do is we want to incentivize American presidents and the candidates who seek the office, whether you like them or don't like them, right? Because your candidate isn't always my candidate and my candidate isn't always their candidate, right? But we want to incentivize the candidate, the campaign to the voters in all 50 states so we can elect the president of the United States, not just the battleground states, right? And we need to end this system that devalues American voters in flyover states because what happens is they get frustrated when they lose, not because they don't like the candidate, but because they don't believe they were valued in the process and they don't like the candidate. Now, if my candidates kept losing presidential elections and I wasn't a Republican trapped behind the blue wall in Minnesota, you know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, you know what? The truth is more American voters voted for the other guy or gal. I'm an American citizen. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to make my money. I'm going to raise my family. I'm going to grow my business. I'm going to pay my taxes. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do my charity. I'm going to do, you know, pick your thing, whoever you are. That's what I'm going to do, right? But because, you know, um, three quarters of the country are trapped in flyover states where these candidates never campaign to them, you know, they feel like they're not valued. And, and, and at the end of the day, over time, that creates toxic political environments. And I'll tell you, I hear my opponents all the time talk about, well, the system works pretty well. Anybody who thinks the system works pretty well isn't paying attention or has something to protect. I mean, it's impossible to defend the current system. Uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but recently... Terrorists took over the Capitol based on the current system. So I guess my message is wake up, smell the coffee, isolate people who want to defend this current system on an island. Decide whether or not you think one person, one vote is the foundational principle of American democracy. Whether you're a Republican, Democrat, or independent, a conservative, which is what I am. You think about whether or not that is the foundational principle of American democracy. And if you do, quit thinking, quit talking, get on board, let's change it. Wow, if opponents of a national popular vote, if the case they're making is that the current system is working, I, I would get out of their way and hand them the microphone. They're, they're going to help you out. Um, but, but yeah, I, 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 like to I, let them talk as, I like to let them talk as much as I can, but I'm challenging the people who agree with us to get involved. We need to get this done. That's all I'm doing. The, the, the one somewhat substantive argument that I've heard, there may be others, uh, but I'd love to, to hear your response to it, uh, is, is, of course, uh, perhaps an outdated one. Perhaps it's at some point made sense, although I'm not convinced it made sense prior to the Civil War, uh, is, is the argument that states should have rights. Not that, not that people in 75% of the states who get totally ignored should have the right to be included in the, in the election concerns, 
but that states as entities uh, should have rights uh, as against the federal government, and one of the rights of the of the states as entities uh, should be to uh, to control their their role in the election. That that state governments should have that power, and and so a national popular vote is federalizing something else, and 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 is sabotaging the the important federalist system in which states have rights. Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, I'm a state powers conservative, right? Like I'm, you know, I, I really am. My first dog's name was Jefferson. You know, uh, I don't, I don't know where these stations run, but I'm a conservative who sort of, you know, helped uh, in the efforts to confirm, um, you know, justices to the bench and all that other stuff. So I am a state powers conservative and I believe states have powers and people have rights. Um, states, every state, all 50 states and the District of Columbia gave every citizen in their state the right to vote for president, right? Um, through that power, uh, each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors. They determined under the state-based winner-take-all system that every voter was going to be able to vote for president. That's not in the Constitution. That's not a constitutional right you have. That's a, that, that's a, that's a, a, a right that is a, a right that has been conferred to you by the legislature. Um, National popular vote interstate compact respects the state power to award electors, right? And I think that's why it's the way to get it done, right? Um, so, so for example, um, so so federalism is one of those terms that's bandied around by people. You know, people who raise wave the Constitution but don't read it. You know, there's like a lot of them. Um, uh, you know, federalism has to do with who has the power not even how that power is used, right? So the state has the power. Each state shall appoint uh, in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors. The state legislature, by joining the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, is exercising their sovereignty, right, to join the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact to award their electors on the basis of the National Popular Vote because, for example, if I'm a voter in North Dakota, that's completely ignored in presidential elections. Right? If I have a national popular vote for president, every voter in North Dakota is going to be valued in the process in a way they aren't currently. Right? Yeah. The, the same is true for a voter in Vermont. So I reject the premise. I believe that the national popular vote interstate compact preserves the state power and state sovereignty. I just think it's in the best interest of most states to join it. Um, and yeah. to shake up the system and have a national popular vote for president. I hope that helps answer you. I mean, that's the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you mentioned Jefferson, whose house you can see from my house. I'm in, I'm in Virgi- ah, Virginia here. And, you. and in Virginia, uh, as you may know, uh, one election cycle back and the time before that, uh, all the candidates and all the money and all the events, but the most recent election cycle, not a sign, you know, just ghost town, nothing yeah, to be right. seen, right? So, so we saw the contrast. Uh, between you know being a state that matters and being a state that doesn't matter, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, it's about the quickest I've ever seen that transition happen. Too, I mean, if you have a bunch of stations in Virginia, for example, I, I believe the Virginia uh, General Assembly, right? It's not the legislature down there; it's the General Assembly. Um, but the Virginia General Assembly uh, does have bills introduced to join the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. And, you know, one of the things I talk to people in Virginia about is like, look, I've never seen and, and I've been following American politics for a very long time. You know, I understand it philosophically. 
um, because I studied a little bit of it at the University of Minnesota, but everything I learned was in the trenches of American politics, right? So I know how these campaigns run, and I know how we value voters and don't value voters, right? It's my truth. I know what I've experienced, and it's not a theory for me. But in my lifetime, I've never seen a state go from uh, reliably Republican state to battleground state to flyover blue state as quickly as I've seen the state of Virginia do it. Yeah. And, and you know, you're no different. Uh, you know, Virginia is no different than Vermont, right? Completely ignored in presidential elections. So that's been fascinating. And, and frankly, if you want voters in Virginia to matter, right, there's only one way to make a matter moving forward or be um, – all voters matter, you know, go vote no matter what, but, but, but valued in the presidential process, uh, join the national popular vote interstate compact. And actually Jefferson, like a school, you can see his house, but Jefferson is the guy who petitioned Monroe, who ran the legis the general assembly, uh, back before the 1800 election. He petitioned Virginia as the largest state at the time to move to the state-based winner take all system, right? Virginia was the first state to move to that in the current era, you know, and they, and they did it, they did it so that Virginia would have reliable slates of electors to make sure that Thomas Jefferson was the president in the election of 1800. Well, then Northern states sort of started to respond and you can see how we adopted the current system. It's probably not relevant, but it's interesting history. And you brought up Jefferson's house. So and, Sorry. and combined with the adoption at this very same time of the two-party system that's dominated uh, politics ever since. We've, we've, we've got a couple of minutes left. Uh, what, what states do you think uh, the next success will come from, and what can people do to help uh, who want to get involved? Well, look, I, I've learned a long time ago on this project and many others that I don't make, um, I don't make predictions, okay? Certainly there's a bill, there's an active bill at the Virginia legislature. Anybody who's listening in Virginia should call their legislator. They should go to our website, nationalpopularvote.com, assuming you agree, or even if you don't, you know. Um, but, but if you go to nationalpopularvote.com, there's a right legislator tool. You know, weigh in with the Virginia General Assembly um, Virginia is one of those states where we've passed one chamber or another, right? So there are, there are nine states that are not currently in the compact where we passed either the House or the Senate or both, right? And Virginia is one of those. And those nine states, you can see them at our website. They have 88 electoral votes, which is more than the 74 required. Now, we're not just confined to those 88 states or those states with 88 electoral votes, we're at various degrees of development in many other states. Um, and, you know, we've had success in red states, passing, for example, the Arizona House of Representatives and the Oklahoma Senate. Um, you know, those are, those are states that are controlled by Republican legislators. Um, we, we've had tremendous success in, in, with, with Democratic legislators. So, you know, we just keep our shoulder to the wheel everywhere we have uh, a sponsor, a political movement. Our allies are strong everywhere. You know, we work with Common Cause, we work with Fair Vote, we work with the League of Women Voters in New York, we work with the Conservative Party of the state of New York, you know what I mean? So we've got, um, you know, this is a political movement, this isn't a theory. Right. Uh, and, and, and I guess I would employ um, uh, or implore, um, you know, anybody who agrees with, um, you know, sort of what I said, and I probably didn't have to get so passionate in the middle of it, but I am passionate because I need, we, I, I want to get this project done. I think it's the most important systemic reform of, 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 of my lifetime. I actually think if we elect the president by popular vote, it will do more to improve 
our communities and democracies and any other political reform that can be adopted. And, and if you agree with me that every voter should be valued, that one person, one vote is that foundational principle. I, 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 I urge you to believe me there's only one way to get that done, which is at nationalpopularvote.com. I, I, I beg you to not just talk about it, but to get educated about it, get involved and join our movement. Um, and uh, if everybody gets their shoulder to the wheel, uh, any state can pop at any time and, and we can get this done on time. And, and I hope they'll join us. We've been speaking with Pat Rosensteel from nationalpopularvote.com. Pat, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Oh, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talknationradio.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is supported by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.